positive missions, and we gotta do that. Otherwise, it's endless laps on planet Earth. So keep going in missions. Um, Pastor Jason asked me if I would speak this weekend, and I said, I'm free. What would you like to, me to speak on? And he said, we're going through the I Am series. And so I said, okay, dibs on John 15. I am the true vine. And I know he spoke last week, and he talked about the bread of life. John 15 is actually the last in the Gospels of the I Am, and so it's last, but they don't have to go in sequence. So let's begin this morning in prayer. God, thank you for... Uh, the words of worship that we anticipate you speaking to our hearts. God, thanks for the week that you brought us through. Um, your church is gathered today to, to worship, to hear from you, and, and then to say, okay, God, what do you have for me next? God, guide our minds, um, help us to tune out things that would distract us, speak to our hearts. Thanks for the truths of worship so far, and thanks for your word in the next few moments. Um, Thanks for this opportunity, to God, to look at you. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in just a moment, we're going to look at John chapter 15. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, that would be great. I know I love the fact that Jason began this series and traced it back to the first books of the Bible and how God uses his primary name, Yahweh. And he said, I want to explain to you... Um, things about me and my character, and Jesus comes along, and when he spoke, most often he traced it back to one of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and yet he continued to come along and say, I'm going to be the full descriptor of the character of God, and also what I want you to fixate on in life. Jesus said, I am the true vine. I am the vine. And this was an emphasis. When Jesus spoke of himself as a vine, he's describing himself as the embodiment of Israel, who were the people of God, because they were called the vine. But Jesus comes along and says, you know what? I'm the vine. And you are the branches through me. And I want to help you understand the fruit of the vine is what I want you to display in life. So for us, if we want to draw close to Jesus, Jesus says, that's great. It's up to you. It's almost like playing tennis, ball on your court. He puts it back to you. How close to me do you want to be? And he uses the words abide and remain, and he talks about our lives being fruitful as one of the purposes of our lives. And at the end of the verses, it says the more fruitful we are, the more effective our prayer life's going to be. Because honestly, your prayer life is going to turn from, God, we want more candy. We want more candy now to something more mature and deepened and really focused on what God wants us to have in our intimacy with him. Jesus called us friends, not robots. I flew the other day to Florida, and the TSA person there, I don't know if they were human because there was no human um, contact from him whatsoever. He just kind of went like this, looked at my ID, and then he handed it back. Not, could have been a robot, but I am not a robot. And Jesus said, I didn't create you as servants or robots or TSA guys who just are going to live like a robot. I, I, I consider you friends. And in a friend, there's a relationship that goes back and forth. 
And Jesus said in verse 7, if my words abide in you. And he goes on to say, you know what? The scriptures are going to play a big part in your life in your relationship with me because they're going to help you understand what speaks of him and then what speaks for him. And our relationship with him infuses the word of God into our lives and it sort of echoes Romans 12, 1 and 2, where it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, sorry, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I blew right past reading John 15. Did you guys see slides? Did they click real fast? That wasn't meant to be fast reading, but let's go ahead and read in John 15. And Sorry, Daniel, I'll have you go back in the slides. But John chapter 15, I'm going to be reading out of the um, 1984 um, NIV translation. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you, so that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, but because, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. There's a lot there where Jesus pretty much says it's going to be the word that's going to draw you to have a stronger relationship and to remain and abide in me, to have that close connection. And then in Romans chapter 12, it comes along to say, you know what? My scripture is going to transform your mind. It's going to transform your heart. It's going to change you, but it's going to be the scriptures. And in verse 2, it says that he transforms us through his word in personal and church Bible study. Okay, you come to church and you hear a message, but there's other six days where it's kind of like, you got to get another meal. Sunday-only meals won't do you any good. You got to get us another um, element of God infusing your heart to transform your mind through Scripture in personal Bible study. 
That's going to also influence your worldview, how we look at life. Scripture is going to change your worldview. It's also going to help you understand his character. It's not so much intellectual, and I once made the mistake of t- telling my Hebrew professor that we'd, we played Bible trivia over the weekend. That did not score any points with him because he said there's nothing trivia triv- about the Bible, and then he left me. So I won't bring that up again. God doesn't want us just to have facts in our minds about Scripture, but he wants to transform our life, to understand his character, to understand his challenges for us and his expectations of us. So let me ask you, how do you allow the Word of God to infuse your mind during the week? How are you doing that? It's every man for themselves, every one for themselves between Sundays to like walk with God. And God wants his scripture to infuse your mind. This thought came to me this morning. Um, I used to take students to like amusement parks. And the word amusement is just sort of like check your mind at the door. You, you don't have to think about much today. We're going to put you on a ride and take you around twists and curves, and you're going to see stuff that's like blown up animation, but check your minds at the door. At an amusement park, there, it's just there to amuse you. The word amuse is A at the front of muse, and I was trying to find what's the, I know there's a grammatical term. If you put the A on the front of a word, uh, what's that called? I couldn't find it, so I sounded more intelligent before you, but that word muse has to do with to think deeply, to gaze thoughtfully. And that's what God says we're to do in life. We're literally to allow him to transform our mind by thinking deeply, not being distracted by the rest of our our life, not shifting our mind into neutral, but musing or thinking differently. Jesus goes on to say, you might think that you chose me. I prayed to receive Christ in my life, my life October the 10th, 1979. I remember that uh, crystal clear, and I've talked about it so I, I can picture where I was seated, what direction um, I was facing as a couple guys came up to me and struck up a conversation. I remember praying to receive Christ in my life, my life at that point in time. But Jesus said, hey, before the foundation of the world, I chose you. He chose you before you were born. Remember when they used to pick teams and the fearful thought of, what if I don't get chosen? What if I don't get picked? Or worse, what if I get picked last? Coaching kids soccer and high school soccer over the years, I got to a point where when it came down to the final five or six people, I would just split them rather than have the one person get picked last. But some of us, Before we even breathed our first breath, God had already chosen us to have a relationship with. He says in verse 6 that there are some branches that are thrown away and burned. Theologically, I don't believe any Christians are in that pile, but there are people that are deluding themselves, even at church, calling themselves a believer when there's no fruit to prove it. So for the Christian... For the Christian, we're either producing some little or much fruit, and then pruning is going to be part of this process. Okay, so 
I know some of you and you know some of my life. I'm about to blow the minds of a few of you in this room uh, because I'm in my 10th year of amateur winemaking. About 11 years ago, a friend asked me, hey, do you, do you wanna give this a try with me? And I literally prayed for two and a half months and I sought counsel, sought counsel from our lead pastor, all the pastors on staff, different church leaders in my life. And I just said, can a pastor make wine? And should a pastor make wine? And part of my concern was for um, the people in my life whose family tree has been jacked up by alcohol. And for them, it's just a black and white no. And I sought counsel after two and a half months of praying. I sensed that it was a green light. There are so many verses. There's like 247 verses in the Bible that talk about wine or alcohol. Talk about wine. And some of them do say, don't be dumb and get addicted to it and ruin the party for everybody else. And then a lot of the verses talk about it being something that God says, you know what, this is something for some to be enjoyed as a freedom in life. And probably 200 plus people, I'm guessing, know about my hobby, but thousands of people don't, and it's just, that's the way it needs to be. I'd like to be the one to tell anybody else, hey, did you know that Jim Todd makes wine? Um, so let me um, pass on the word, but... I know not to bring it up in some people's life. And I know it's a freedom that I curb how much uh, public position it gets. You don't find my picture on social media with a glass or, um, but winemaking for me, I call it a restorative recreation. For me, it's kind of restored part of my life. And so for me, it's a diversion from, okay, I got this, um, there's a lot of different things that I got going on right now that I'm dealing with that it's just kind of, gosh, this is getting hard. And winemaking for me is like recreation. It's an old world trade. It replaces 20 years of a hobby of, of chimney sweeping, um, which is dumb, um, dangerous on roofs and ladders, and it's hard work. So this is easier on my bones. Winemaking is a biblical practice. Um, it's found throughout the scripture, and Jesus made wine on his first miracle. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it talks about in the old, at the Last Supper, Jesus said, never again will I drink of the fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So I want to curb my exposure to this to not become addicted to wine, but to um, maybe enjoy it along the way. Um, I forgot to say that it's it's art for me because my, my art stickmen look like aliens. Um, it's just part of what I do in life to get by in life, and um, I do find it fun. Uh, there's a vineyard owner in an amateur winemakers group up in Lodi, Ted, and um, so we've done some work at his place, and I had just spent the whole day with Ted, or the morning, um, across a vine pruning, and I was telling my assistant back in the office on Monday, this is what I got to do over the weekend. It was fascinating. She goes, well, come trim our three vines in the front yard. Nobody eats them, uh, but come prune them. So I pruned them, and then a couple months later, she goes, oh my gosh, there's so much fruit on there. And knowledgeable pruning creates grapes. It influences grapes. 
since then, I pruned theirs every January, except this January, their lawn guy pruned them. Well, he massacred them. And then I corrected some of their cuts. And so I'd come back every year and adjust it. And knowing how to prune, I used to be a lawn guy. I didn't know how to prune until about six years ago. And then it's been consistent practice to where I think I could get a merit on my sash um, for pruning now because I think I know how. And it fascinates me. Um, I go nuts when I see guys pruning as I'm driving up 99 or 5. I go nuts seeing people prune, thinking they're pruning. And then when it starts to grow afterwards, it drives me crazy seeing how the different ways of pruning and trellising or standalone, um, that um, cardone, cardone I think it's called, and then there's different ways to prune, but I just go nuts, and only so many people in life feel that way about pruning. But John chapter 15, these are final words from Jesus, final words, and some of those words were right after washing the disciples' feet. They were right after comforting his disciples before the low moments just ahead of them. They didn't know. Bridge is out. This is going to be hard. He was describing the persecution that awaited them. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. And they were kind of going, are you getting this? I'm getting some of this. But he was talking about the Holy Spirit. High priestly prayer was just afterwards, John chapter 7, where he prays for himself, he prays for his, his disciples, and then he prays for the disciples of his disciples to come. And then from there, he walked out, and he walked into Gethsemane, and there he's going to walk the gauntlet toward the cross. All this was just before that. So we're going to see a few things. That pruning begins, and it focuses, and it yields. And so those are like three preachers. They teach you in school. Come up with three points. Those, they don't have the same letter, but three points. So first of all, pruning begins. Usually pruning is in January or February. Sometimes it's early in December. Um, this year it was. And then sometimes it's late in March. Cabernet, you would prune late. Um, it's complicated, but pruning is like breakfast, and that word breakfast is breaking fast. It's after you've been sleeping. You probably didn't wake up at three, have a snack, and go back to sleep, so when you wake up, breakfast is breaking your fast from food, and it's meant to give you energy to get started, and it's like winter's over. Wake up, get up, because we got to have you focus, Mr. Vine, on what you're all about. Pruning in your life personally it's where we're going to get in a minute. Pruning in your life is purposeful. It's meant to prompt your life. It's meant to stimulate your life. It's going to be part of the reason you exist. And after harvest, there's a lot of time to just do nothing. Outwardly, the vine is just chilling. And then it's like you say to Mr. Sleepy Bones Jones, the vine, wake up, you got to get started today. And then each day for you is where God says, hey, wake up, get started. I got to get you through another day to grow you just a little bit more. So first, pruning begins. Second, pruning also focuses. Focuses. It's where you tell the vine, send your energies there and not use random wasted energy going anywhere and everywhere. You're not to be a hedge. You're not to be the world's longest vine. Long vines are nice, but if they don't grow fruit, they're useless. Fruit and good fruit is what you're all about, and longest is not the best. Pr 
pruning in our lives is God's way of enabling Jesus, the vine, to produce character, godliness, influence, the image of God, so that good things come out of our lives. And the cuts of pruning, they're going to direct, they're going to correct, they're going to repair, they're going to what's called clean the branch of the vine. So pruning focuses. So pruning begins, focuses, and third, pruning yields. Pruning is done to maximize the fruiting potential of the vine. So I have three tools. Um, These three go with me in the car. And this one, my little Corona, this is nice. This goes in the back right pocket. The left pocket has my phone. I'm going to get it sticky, but I want to take pictures along the way because pruning's fun. But this goes in the back right pocket, and this is not meant to, like, prune all vines because this is this is dangerous i can every now and then i think to myself jim if you don't focus you're going to cut your finger off and i've heard of people who have done that and i want to learn from other people's mistakes so um this is dangerous this one is the workhorse this is what field workers use and they can make this function so fast it's like chip 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 and they're just kind of cruising along this is like the um oh what's it called this is the Goldilocks just perfect size. So this one's dangerous, back pocket. This one is the workhorse. This one, on the other hand, this is, this is the Terminator. This is my lopper. And this is really meant for just dead stuff. If I'm going to have to cut something big, um, I'm going to cut, cut it with this. But the pruning of the vines, sometimes you just kind of say, that's not doing anything, so I'm going to remove it. Out comes the big daddy. You walk up to a vine and you quickly decide, where is the first cut? There is an optimum first cut. It looks like some sort of hairdo ready to be trimmed. But you walk up to a vine and say, where is the first cut? It's obvious if you know what you're doing. If you're the long guy and ripping, you don't know what you're doing. You just sort of like hedge it to go make it go flat. But if you're experienced, you know where to cut. You know from last year where the cut was. You can also tell, did it produce? And some of those, you just kind of say, okay, you were a useless branch. You weren't doing anything. You didn't produce anything. You're going to go away, but I'll get to you in a moment. I'm going to make my first cut, because on my first cut, that's going to dictate the second and the third cut, and then you clean it all up. Every now and then, I got one of those eyebrows that stick straight out. You know, it's, it's like that long, and other people see it, And then you notice their eyes kind of looking at your eyebrow. And you just kind of say, i got to get rid of you because you're not helping my my cause. Um, (laughs) At my age, you want just enough eyebrows to kind of say, he's got his eyebrows. But you don't want it like this. (laughs) And some vines are just like that. And they're not helping the cause. Now, in in grapes for winemaking, um, you also can influence how much fruit it's going to create. You don't want a zillion tons of fruit uh, because when it comes to harvest, you want to be able to get the sugar to a level. It's called bricks. That's the measure of sugar in a grape. And you want to get that to a certain point. You don't want the levels of, of alcohol way up here because now you're making moonshine, and that's different from making wine. But you can influence how much it's going to produce. On that cordon that you might have seen on some of those, 
it, it kind of has certain points where how many shoots of fruit do I want from it? And in winemaking, a zillion pounds is not what you want. And there are two Greek words that are used in this passage, iro, to lift up or to take away, and kathairo, which is like cathartic. That's where we get our word cathartic, which is meant to clean up. And some things, it cleanses us to get rid of stuff. And sometimes in pruning, God helps us to get rid of stuff that's harmful to us. But to prune or to lift up or to cleanse or to clean, all those terms are interactive in our life. There's a book by Bruce Wilkinson. Guy's written a number of books, and this one's Secrets of the Vine. And in there, there's three major points. If your life consistently bears no fruit, God will intervene to discipline you. If your life bears some fruit, God will intervene to prune you. And then thirdly, if your life bears a lot of fruit, God will invite you to abide even more deeply with him. Within six verses of John chapter 15, the word abide is used ten times. That's a relationship. God knows you. God God wants a relationship with you. But the very first time he uses the word, it's, it's like an imperative. That's a command. That's where um, you just kind of say to a dog, sit or come. Um, it's a command. It could be uh, stop. That's an act of love for your kid near a driveway. Or listen up. Um, the first time he uses it, it's, a, it's an imperative. And then it, it's meant to assume, okay, we understand remain and abide. He continues to use those words with you. And Wilkinson said, left to itself, a grapevine will always favor new growth over more grapes. The result from a distance, it's an impressive achievement. But up close, it's an underwhelming harvest. And that's why the gardener or the vine dresser cuts away unnecessary shoots, no matter how vigorous, because a vineyard's only purpose is grapes. Without pruning in their lives, Christians will only be able to lift up, live up to a fraction of our potential. And let's be honest, you know, those, those tools, and then this one that's in the back pocket, you always want to make sure you take it out of your car before you drive away. Um, but any one of these, pruning hurts. Those are cuts. Those are cuts that are going to be influencing, okay, God, it was hard to go through this. But it's going to help you fulfill your purpose. And John 15, 16 says lots of fruit that will last an affected eternity. So following Pastor Jason's question last week, um, when you're talking about the I am statement and now I am the true vine, so what? How should I respond? Based on today, how should I respond? Ask yourself, what fruit is evidenced in your life from your relationship with Jesus? What fruit is there? And it could be that, are there fruits of the Spirit that God sees in you? Galatians 5, well, I hope I get all this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Oh. Um, the mind doesn't hold on to every fact later in life, but those, those fruits right there, do they show in your life? Are they maturing? Are they deepening? Are they strengthening? And there's other places in Scripture where you can see evidences in your life, but are those specifically, are those growing in your life? Are there souls that you've saved or been in part of their process to inviting Christ into your life? Are you involving yourself in other people's lives to help them become Christians? Are there lives that you were influencing? Are there lives that you are influencing? That's evidence in your life of fruitfulness in your relationship with Jesus. What's your reputation in your fellowship? Corporate or smaller or in your community? What's your reputation? What are spiritual gifts that you're using to build up the church? That's evidence of the Spirit of God working in your life. But as you go through life, the Lord is going to make cuts. It's going to be pruning in your life to help you to become more fruitful. At times, mm, yeah, it's going to hurt. At times you realize, okay, it's like a trainer for an athlete. Okay, I'm helping you to become even more effective. But God's going to make cuts that are going to clean you for his purposes. So will you stop at times and, and realize that God cares for you at the same time that he's doing this? It's not the penalty box in hockey, but he cares for you. And then pruning is going to be part of it because he has an amazing plan for your life and he loves you immensely. Accept his correction along the way. Let's pray. God, thanks that you do care for us. You didn't create us and not notice us as we are going through life, but you care for us along the way and yeah, annually, out in the field, they prune. But along the way, God, you're going to help take care of those um, spiritual eyebrow hairs that stick straight out, that serve no purpose. You're going to help correct our path. You're going to help us to become um, fruitful for your sake. We pray for those that you want to reach through our lives. We pray for the influence for generations to come that our lives today and tomorrow um, can be shown as, as the handiwork of you working in our lives. God, help us to not take credit for the great work that you do in some people in our own life, um, but help us to make sure that we understand um, it's, it's the movement of God. It's, it's God himself. God, you care for us. You're, you're mindful of us. You know what's going through our minds in the middle of the sleep. Through our day as we're going through what to do or going from point A to point B and um, 
diving into a bed exhausted, but then saying, okay, God, let's do up and do it again. God, you have great love for us. Pruning along the way is going to be part of your great love for us. Thank you for that, God. You cared for us in Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Thanks. Amen.